talk to you about hero versus champion. I know we're, we're kind of doing a series of heroes versus you know heroes and champions, and and uh, I'm not trying to diminish champions. Absolutely, I, I call people champion. Hey, what, how you doing, champ? You're a legend, champ, and and mate, you're a champion. And I you know and I believe that we ought to be champions of the faith, and we ought to be champions of grace, and we ought to be champions of the local church. We ought to be champions of the gospel. But I just, I just kind of felt God begin to speak to me about that hero trumps champion. A hero trumps champion. And for two reasons, a champion is somebody who is crowned by, by the people. The Bible says that a champion went out from the Philistines, Goliath of Gath. And quite often a champion is somebody who's, ladies and gentlemen, the champion, the heavyweight champion of the world. And, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, he, he or she has their accolades from man. Now, it's possible, it's entirely possible for you and I to be a champion in the eyes of men, but not be a champion in the eyes of God. It's possible to be a champion here on earth and yet feeble when it comes to heaven. The second thing about champions, the champions are usually defined by their accomplishments, by their achievements, and by their strengths. Whereas a hero is, you know, distinctively different to a champion. Uh, the Titanic comes to mind. How many people remember the Titanic? The Titanic uh, in... I think it was April 12, 1914. It was April 14. April 14, 1912 it was. You know, she made her, her there she is, made her maiden voyage. And uh, she was the crown of human engineering. She was the crown of man's technological advancements and achievements. And some absolute numbskull decided that just before the Titanic left the dock, that they would say in a public press statement that the Titanic was unsinkable, which isn't so bad in itself, but then they just decided to get a little bit arrogant and they just decided to say not even God can sink her. And on a maiden voyage, on a very first voyage, the champion of man's technological advancement conquering the oceans, this ocean liner that apparently had life rafts that were just ornaments. They would never be needed. In fact, on the, the, the last inspection, just a few hours before her maiden voyage, the, the inspectors came on board and they said, listen, we've got far too many lifeboats. We won't need the lifeboats. We need to remove half of these lifeboats because there's just not enough deck space for people to walk and frolic. And they said, sir, regulation says that we have to have enough lifeboats to rescue everybody on board. And they said the Titanic was unsinkable. Not even God could sink her, get rid of her. And so they removed half of the lifeboats, believing they were just on, a, on her maiden voyage. She strikes an iceberg and peels her shell open like peeling open a can with a can opener. She takes on water and she sinks and over 1,600 people lost their lives in that freezing Atlantic water. I just got to tell you, sometimes you can be a champion on earth but look feeble in heaven. I'm not sure if you remember the band called the Beatles. 
the Beatles. Huh? Yeah. Well, there was, you know, one of the four uh, was a guy called John Lennon. And uh, John Lennon said, the Beatles are more popular than Jesus. And, uh, and he said, you know, in 20 years' time, Christianity might not be here anymore. And unfortunately, Christianity is still there, but John Lennon isn't. Because on December 8, 1980, he was gunned down just outside of his New York City apartment. And uh, sometimes, you know, people, and he was, the, the, the Beatles were the champions of music. They were, it's possible for you and I to be champions on earth, but a little bit feebly in heaven. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the French philosopher Francois-Marie Voltaire. He was, he was dead set against the, the, the Bible, dead set against God, was a pr profound atheist, and, uh, you know, was a contemporary of Friedrich Nietzsche, and Nietzsche was the one who wrote God is dead and signed it Nietzsche on a wall, only to have somebody come along about uh, a week later and write Nietzsche is dead and signed it God on the same wall. And... Uh, but, but Francois-Marie Voltaire was a guy who, who would literally preach in the, the open squares and preach in the universities and used his platform and, and uh, used his pulpit to, to destroy Christianity, to preach against Christianity, to promote atheism. And, and Francois-Marie Voltaire was famous for this saying. He says, in 20 years' time, Christianity will be no more. The single edifice it took 12 disciples to rear, I will destroy with my own hand. The problem is, like all these other people, he was a champion. He was known as a champion philosopher and a champion thinker. You know, he was a, he was a champion intellect and a champion professor of his day in the universities. I mean, he was the giant intellect of his day. The problem was he also died. The, the, the nurse who was by his bed, said never again, not for all the money in Europe, would she ever again want to witness another infidel, another atheist die. Just as he was about to slip out of this life, he grabbed the doctor's shirt, pulled the doctor into his face, coughing and gra grasping for, for breath. He begged the doctor to give him just six months more life. And then he looked at the doctor and he says, I'll give you everything that I own. Please just give me six months more life. Then I shall go to hell. Then I shall go to hell, O oh Christ, O oh Jesus Christ. And then he died. It's interesting, the atheist's last words was about Jesus Christ, O oh Jesus Christ. But the story doesn't finish there. Literally 20 years later to the very day that Francois-Marie Voltaire said, in 20 years' time, Christianity will be no more. My single hand will destroy the edifice that took 12 disciples to rear. 20 years later, on the very day, the Geneva Bible Society bought his house and opened up the printing presses to print the Bible all throughout Europe in his house. His house became the printing presses for the Bible to be spread all throughout Europe. Come on, somebody. How many people know that God is not mocked? Come on, somebody. <laughs> See, we live in a world where it's possible for you to believe that you're an earthly champion but may not be a heavenly hero. It's possible for you and I to believe that you're an earthly champion but not a heavenly hero. Tonight I want to talk to you about being a heavenly hero. 
you know, Julio Iglesias is considered an, an earthly champion when it comes to being a Casanova. He himself has bragged about the fact that he has slept with over 2,000 different women. And he brags about that. Men kind of think, man, that guy is a champion. He's a stud. He's a champion. He's bedded over 2,000. But can I just tell you, anyone can sleep with 2,000 different women. Hasn't taken any mean for Can I tell you, it takes a lot more skill, a lot more devotion, and a lot more strength of character to sleep with the same person more than 2,000 times. See, on earth he may be seen as a stud, but in heaven he's seen as a weak, insipid, covenant-breaking fornicator. I'm telling you, you can be a champion on earth, but seen as pretty feeble in heaven. You know, um, Elizabeth Taylor's been married eight times to seven different men, and people on earth call her an expert on marriage. She's not an expert. She's an expert on weddings, but not an expert on marriage. Talk to somebody who's been married to, for 65 years to the same person. That person's an expert on marriage, not somebody who's been married eight times to seven different people. Somebody say amen. You know, these days, you know, they, they, they give... Um, uh, you know, they give uh, Nobel Peace Prizes to just, you know, it's just never done anything, but let's give them a Nobel Peace Prize. Included in that is dictators like Benito Mussolini was nominated for a Peace Prize. Adolf Hitler, I'm being serious, Adolf Hitler in 1939 was nominated for the Peace Prize. Joseph Stalin, who slaughtered 20 million of his own people, in 1945 and again in 1948 was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. See, you need to understand that you can, you can live your entire life for the accolades of men, for the accolades of earth, and then stand before heaven and find yourself beyond embarrassed, find yourself bordering into the place of shame. The scripture says, on that day, people will cry out to the rocks and the cliffs to fall on them, to hide them from the face of him who sits on the throne. I want to set you up so you don't live as a champion so much on earth, but you live as a hero in heaven. I want you to live as one of heaven's heroes. Can somebody say amen? We give honorary degrees to celebrities. The rest of us have to work for our degrees, but no, no, the celebrities, they just get given honorary degrees. Now, you may say, well, you know, they're celebrities and they deserve it, and I'm not here to debate that, and, and you know, that they are fantastic actors, uh, what is that, pretending, they're great at pretending, and, uh, but just, just one of, them, one of the, one of the uh, honorary degrees that I saw was given by Southampton College in New York to... Kermit the Frog. <laughs> True story. Kermit the Frog has an honorary degree from the Southampton College in New York. I'm not sure if anybody told the college, um, he's not real. He's actually just a little puppet. Anyway, how many, come on, how many people know you can be a champion on earth, but a little bit feeble in heaven? So David... David fights a champion, and the Bible says David prevails over the champion. So I want to show you 10 quick things in the few moments we have left, 10 qualities of a heavenly hero. Are you ready? Number one, in verse 17 and 18 of, of 1 Samuel 17, 
It says this in verse 17 and 18. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain, these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp. Carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare and bring back news of them. The first one, the first quality of a heavenly hero is heroes have no problems with serving. Heroes have no problems with serving. Now, you need to understand at this particular time, David is actually positioned, he's actually promoted to a place of prominence in Saul's kingdom. He is beside the king. He is beside the king's cupbearer. He stands in an elevated position. He stands with a place of authority. He stands in a place of profile. He, if anybody can say, hey, dad, you need to find somebody else to carry some cheese. I don't do cheese and bread anymore. I'm not sure if you've realized this, but uh, I'm one of the king's key guys. I'm far too busy for cheese. I'm just kind of, you know, find somebody else to do it. Samuel has anointed David to be king. He has prophesied. He, David is a hero because he's not above serving. Even though he's got an anointing and a prophecy that he's going to... It's amazing how many people come into the house of God and they know, well, I don't do chairs or I don't do serving. I'm an apostle. I am a prophet. Yeah, I had this prophecy. I went to, you know, such and such college up in, you know... California and somebody said over me and they prophesied over me and they, they said this over me and I'm a graduate of this you know and the, I've had this prophecy and, and, and let me tell you your, your prophecy and your word ain't going to come to pass until you understand that if Jesus left heaven and became a servant you ain't over Jesus you ain't above Jesus if God himself comes down to serve don't you think that you're above serve? in fact the longer that you live above serving the longer you put a ceiling over your life I'm telling you Jesus says whoever wants to be greatest in the kingdom must not should but must become the servant of all heroes understand the power of serving somebody say amen the second thing about heroes heroes are faithful in the now heroes are faithful in the now little things they're people of principle look at verse 20 and 20 to 22 david rose early in the morning David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the things and went as Jesse had commanded him. He can take orders. He can submit to authority. And he came to the camp as the army was going out to the fight and shouting for battle. For the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army, came and greeted his brothers. I love this guy. David was faithful in the now. He left the sheep with the sheep keeper. He left the supplies with the supply keeper. He didn't just kind of forget about the sheep saying, well, I don't have time to look after these sheep. You know, guess what sheep? <laughs> you know, some of you might be eaten by wolves, lions and bears, but I got good news. Every cloud. Every cloud. Being promoted. I'm about to go into the throne. Got a destiny. No, no, he leaves the sheep with the sheep keeper. He's faithful in the now can i just tell you david understood that it's your faithfulness in whatever's in your hand now well i don't like the job i've got it's your faithfulness well right now i don't i've got a prophecy but right now it's whatever you're doing if whatever you're faithful with right your 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 faithfulness with what you have right now is what's going to unlock the door to your tomorrow what you, you we're always living in a state of before 
We're always living in a state of before. Before God can promote you, He's testing you right now. Everything in your life is either a test or a trust. I said everything in your life is either a test or a trust. God tests you and then He trusts you. And when He trusts you, get ready. He's going to promote you because He's looking for people He can trust. And so He'll test you again. And in the middle of the test, God is looking. Why? Because He wants to trust you. So everything in this life is either a test or a trust. The first thing He starts with the tithe. He gives you the whole 100% and steps back. But it's, it's actually a test. Can He trust you with more? He wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing. But if we're like this, if we're like, if we're like Schmeagel, my precious, I'm 50 now. No, what kills yeah, yeah. Now, if you live like that, you'll find yourself staying. You'll always just be struggling because you can't, you can't. But if, if you're willing to release it, if you're willing to give it back, you'll find that God says, man, you've passed the test. You know, in the scripture, 10 equals test. 10 equals test. The 10 commandments. 10 equals test. A tenth is a test. The tithe is a test. It is a test to see whether God can trust you. Heroes understand the power of being faithful with what is now. Whatever is in your hand now, be faithful with it. You know, I, I had a desire. I had a vision. I had an anointing. I even had some prophetic words that I was going to be a preacher, that one day, you know, I would be a pastor, that one day I'd be, you know, a prophet to this year. All these kind of wonderful words. But you know what I discovered? I discovered that even though all of those words were there, God was watching to see whether I could be faithful to set up chairs for youth group on a Saturday night. God was seeing whether I was faithful, whether I would fill my car on a Saturday night and bring a carload of kids to youth. God was testing to see whether I was faithful, whether I would bring those kids home after youth in my car. It's one thing to get them and drop them off there and say, hey, your, your problem now, youth pastor. I just did my, but to bring them home, to disciple those people. You know, faithful, whether I would talk to the person who didn't quite fit in, who was a little bit of a misfit. I'm telling you, God is watching and God watches the way that you operate in work. He watches the way that you, that you go about your, your daily you know, duties. God watches you in the little things, the little things, like the weather you return the shopping cart. Or whether you just kind of push it up on the, on the curb and it's rolling back and you got to like this and you... Like this, and and it's. I know it's. I know it's 15 yards, but it wants to walk 15. I've just done the. Sh oh gosh, I'm. You know, I can't. I, I don't. I don't have time to take the shopping cart back because I've got to get to the gym, and get on the treadmill, and I don't have time to walk 15 yards there and back. I've got to be on a treadmill, and you know, and so. Uh, Everyone say faithful in the now. Second thing that heroes have is faithful in the now. I've got to keep moving. Numero tres. Heroes have a different spirit. Look at verse 23 to 26. We're just going to go through it. And honestly, I could have done 50 points, but because of time, I can only do 10. 23 to 26. Then as he talked with them, there was a champion. There was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words, so David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Verse 25, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. Now I want you to underline that uh, 
In verse 23, Goliath spoke the same words. Then verse 25, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that whoever kills him, uh, kills this man, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David had a different spirit. He had a different spirit. Everyone else was looking at the giant. David was looking to the reward. They said, man, whoever kills this guy gets to marry the king's daughter. The, woo! The king's daughter. You, 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 you mean Michael? I mean, David saw Michael. She was the only one that didn't have to walk to school. She was the only one that didn't have to carry the, you know, catch the yellow bus to school. She arrived in a chariot. She arrived in a chariot. You know, she had people grooming her. I mean, she had all the, you know, all the latest fashion and all the latest. I mean, she had the whole collection of Barbies. She even had divorce Barbie. She comes with all the Ken stuff. I mean, she had everything. She had everything. David had a different spirit. David stood out. Everyone else is speaking fear. Everyone else is intimidated. Can I just tell you, it's people with a different spirit. See, when you have a different spirit, you see things differently. You see opportunity where everyone else you know, sees danger, where everyone else sees peril. You see victory. You see reward. David says, what shall be done? I'm telling you, heroes are people with a different spirit. They're people that go the extra mile. They're people that talk to people that, you know, not for no other reason, but because they're people. They're Valuable. They see someone sitting by themselves. They're not about the popular. They're not about the promotion. They're about people. And they go and talk to those people. People with a different spirit. I believe that God loves people with a different spirit. Can somebody say amen? The next one, number four, really quickly, is heroes, and it flows on this, have a different language. Speak with a different language. Look at verse 31 and 32. Verse 31 says, Now when the words which David spoke were heard... They reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Do you know what it was that got David out of tens of thousands of men on the battlefield? One man gets summoned from the battlefield to the very throne room of the king. It wasn't his experience. It wasn't his valor. It wasn't his resume. It wasn't his title belt. It wasn't how many battles he'd won. It wasn't the victories that he'd, you know, you know, had as conquests over the enemy. It was his words. I believe that heroes speak a different language. It's called faith. Faith is a land. Everybody else was speaking fear. Everybody else was speaking doom and gloom. What brought David into the presence of the king was his language. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight. David had a different spirit and he spoke a different language. Can I just tell you, heaven's heroes don't speak according to the prophets of this world. Don't listen to the prophets of this world. GFC. Don't listen to the NASDAQ the doubt. Don't listen to the prophets of this world. Get your word from the word of God. Get your language shaped from the spirit of God. The Bible says God has not 
given you a spirit of fear, but one of love, one of power, and one of a sound mind. Don't speak according to fear. Don't speak according to negativity. Don't speak according to the hopeless pessimism of the world that has no... Speak according to the Spirit of God. You begin to prophesy. You begin to declare. You begin to say that through God all things are possible. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my need according to His riches and glory. Pike, you've got to have a different language. I believe that heaven's heroes speak differently. Can somebody say amen? Heaven's heroes speak differently. They don't judge. They don't condemn. They don't belittle. They don't berate. Heaven's heroes speak positive. They speak love. <coughs> they speak with loving kindness. They speak in affirming tones. They look on the best. They see the best. I, I can't tell you over the years how many people I've met. I remember, you know, uh, I don't want to kind of give Kiwis a hard time, but one downside of a lot of New Zealanders is unbelievable negativity. I remember this, you know, one, uh, every time I would say, oh, you put on weight. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, don't know what to say now. <laughs> kind of ruined the moment. And, uh, you know, oh, wow, you got a few gray hairs. Thank you. I know, Art. And thanks for noticing. It's like you just... Man, you're looking tired. And, and it's, the, you know, the world, Leanne was just telling me yesterday, she says, can you remember when we were kids and, and uh, they used to have these, these ads on TV about, you know, sharps things and knives things, we're all, go, we're out to get you. You know, the house is apparently filled with all these dangerous things, electric irons, they're going to burn you. You know, PowerPoints, they're going to zap you. And there was this, you know, this ad, I can't remember what the ad was for. It's like, you know, to stop kids from hurting themselves. Apparently, it was all this prophetic stuff. They're going to kill you, you know, swimming pools. They're going to drown you. It's like, whoa, holy shnikey. you got to wrap your kids up in bubble wrap, and even then, the bubble wrap's going to choke you. You know, it's like, it's like there was nothing you could do. It's a true story. They used to have these, these billboards. They, they decided they'd put these billboards on our country roads in Australia saying that, uh, uh, um, uh, Country roads kill, um, drowsy drivers die. So you can, you know, you drive along this country road, you've got two hours till you reach your destination, and you look up and you see the. Thanks for that. <laughs> it's like, okay, they, you know, I don't know what you meant to. You know, they have caution, crash zone. You know, well, the next five miles is a crash zone. It's like, what? I've got five miles to have an accident, that's it? You know, it's like, Heroes speak a different language. You, you speak a different language. You know, and I, what people say, well, you know what, Pastor, you, you're just trying to hype us up and to speak. You need to understand that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. I'm not just trying to hype you. I'm telling you, I've learned this myself. Whatever you speak will come to pass. You are always prophesying. Listen to me again. You are never not prophesying. Jesus walks up to a fig tree because he sees leaves. He sees foliage on the fig tree. And the Bible says when he got there, there was no figs. And so Jesus said, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. The next day they come past, and there's the fig tree all dried up from the roots. And Peter says, Lord, Lord, look, the fig tree you cursed 
is dead. It's dried up from the roots. And Jesus says, have faith in God. I said, if you speak to this mountain and say, be removed and do not doubt in your heart, that which you've spoken will begin to set a chemical chain reaction into motion. See, the truth is Jesus did not curse the fig tree. I mean, he didn't stand in front and say, I curse thee in the name, my name, actually. <laughs> he, he, he didn't. He just said, let no one ever eat fruit from you again. Let no one ever eat fruit from you again. That's what he said, and it died. You couldn't see that it died straight away because the Bible says it was shriveled up from its roots. The roots are under the ground. So in other words, the disciples didn't notice that day, but they noticed the next day that something was dead. I look at people all the time. I see them in airports, hotels. I see people all the time. You see people. Something died in their roots. Somebody spoke something. You're no good. You're hopeless. You're useless. You're an accident. You're an idiot. You're an absolute mort. You're a, you're a loser. You're a no hope. But you're never going to amount to it. You need to understand those words. They may not change anything immediately on the outside. But underneath, in the roots, something dies. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. You need to understand you're never not prophesying. The Bible says that for every idle word will be brought into judgment. If words were so insignificant, why would God put that in the scripture? Because every idle word has a weight and has a power behind it. Listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. Listen to me again. You might want to write it down. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. Make a decision out of this mouth. I'm going to speak life. Make a decision out of this mouth. I'm going to speak, not I can't, not it can't. I'm going to speak, I can. Oh, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. Don't speak hopelessness. Speak faith. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God has made me the head, not the tail above, not beneath. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going. You need to begin to change your language. Begin to speak, well, that's just not reality. God doesn't even speak reality. Can I just tell you in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, God, God didn't speak about the darkness. He just said, let there be light. And light was. He didn't speak, well, that's not reality, is it? No, no, he, you, you, you created, you're created to create a new reality with the words that you speak. Speak like, well, you know, I just believe in being real. Well, the Bible says that God speaks those things that aren't as though they are. Romans 4.17, God speaks those things that aren't as though they are. God says, let the weak say, I am strong. Well, that, well that's, that's, he's just hyping them up. No, 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 God, God is not a God of hype. He's not trying to hype people. Go, I don't have any answers. They're weak, aren't they? Look at them, scrawny little, I don't know how to help. No, no, he just says, let the weak say, I am strong. Because he knows that you'll become your confession. He'll become, all of a sudden, you'll become your confession. You've got to let the Holy Spirit change your language. Somebody say, Amen. Oh, my Lord, am I only up to five? Numero cinco de mayo. All right, five. Heroes solve other people's problems. You know, as I was kind of studying, and I, I've got way, way too many notes, you know, looking at people like Anne Frank. Heroes solve other people's problems. She was thrust into the middle of a holocaust where there was a, a, a regime trying to wipe out the Jewish race. 
and her and her family aided and abetted the escape of many, many Jewish people, hiding them in their home. It wasn't her problem, it wasn't her, but, but heroes, I believe, solve other people's problems. David turns up on the battlefield. Goliath is not David's problem. It's Saul's problem. Heroes solve other people's problems. Can I just tell you, you want a promotion at work? Don't be the guy who points out all the faults. Hey, I'm not sure if you noticed the little lights are not twinkling. Hey. It's amazing how many people love to point. Can I just tell you, no one's going to give you the Einstein Award for pointing out problems. And ladies and gentlemen, the 2013 Einstein Award goes to Barry Gumboot for, fault, for finding faults and problems in everything he looked at. The guy's brilliant. He's on our staff and team. And if there's a problem you didn't see, he'll point it out to everybody. He'll even fault find with you. No one's giving awards away to people that find faults and problems in everything. Can I tell you the most valuable person on your team, on my team, in any corpora corporation or organization is not a, problem who a person who just sees problems, but a person who brings solutions to problems. I'm going to tell you one of the reasons why I love this little lady down here, Alicia Williams, who's my business manager, is because when we moved into this building, after the building was finished, after the grand opening of the building, she sends me an email and tells me, uh, you know, oh, it was such a fantastic night, Pastor Hugh, and what an extraordinary success. Man, I can't believe we had this battle where the city didn't want us to do this, and then, you know, the, the area, he didn't, they, they didn't want us to have this sign, and, and then, you know, the, the engineers, they kind of screwed up here, and the architect and kind of drop the ball there and and it was just, I'm like, oh my god and I never I never got one phone call I never had one hour loss of I didn't even know any of it she kind of recognized all the problems solved all the problems negotiated <laughs> saved us money by making it the architect's fault you should have recognized there's no flipping power supply here it's your fault and she's amazing can I just tell you the greatest people on your staff and team are problem solvers become a problem solver. David solved Israel's biggest problem. He saw a Goliath. He just stood up. He didn't say, well, it's not my problem. That's someone else. That's not me. You know what I would do if I was you? What? He, how, and it's amazing how many experts you meet. We used to, Pastor Leanne and I, we knew a few people. We used to say they had expert demons. They had an expert demon. Ever see those people? You know, in Australia, they wear stubbies and, and flip-flops. And uh, stubbies and flip-flops. Uh, but they're experts. They're experts. I remember when I was racing BMX, um, we were riding in the streets and this, this old guy says, oh, those those bikes that bounce. Because he thought, you know, because we were like bunny hopping, he thought that they bounced. And so, you know, and so I kind of stopped, you know, we stopped at the lights anyway. And that, him and his wife, they were going to go across the pedestrian crossing. So I said, well, actually, you know, they don't bounce. There's a thing called a bunny hop. So immediately, this expert demon starts kicking. He says, yeah, you know what you ought to do? You ought to let some of the air out of the tires. I buy you more bounce. Thanks, Eddie Expert. You know, it's like it's, you, you meet these people. Yeah, you know what I would do. Oh, it's, right. you know, it's amazing how many people want to give you your opinion, what you ought to do. Problem solve. Heroes problem solve. Number six. Heroes act despite public opinion and experts. The public opinion of experts. Saul says to David, you are not able to go and fight with this Philistine. You're just a youth and he's a man of war from his youth. 
David said, yes, but your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came against the sheep and took one of the lamb from the flock, I went after that lion and I struck it and I killed it. And one time a bear took a lamb and I struck it. And when it rose up against me, I grabbed it by its beard and I struck it and I killed it. This Philistine will be like the lion and the bear. The same God that delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. And Saul just kind of backed up and said, yeah, don't worry about my opinion. What? words what opinions are shaping your esteem do you have a man-shaped self-esteem or do you have a god-shaped self-esteem do you have a man-shaped self-image or do you have a god-shaped self-image the apostle paul says i can do all things through christ he had a god-shaped self-image can i just tell you we grow up in families and we grow up in a world where words have shaped who we are but there's got to come a point in this Christian life where you actually stand in front of the mirror and realize all you see in the mirror is a reflection. You don't actually see your true self. You don't see who you really are. You just see a reflection. You don't see who you really are till you start looking into the face of God. Because the Bible says you were created in the image and in the likeness of Almighty God. And it's only once you start spending less time in front of the mirror and more time in the Word, more time in the presence of God, that He will begin to communicate. He he will begin to radiate. He will begin to beam. He will begin to translate to you your identity. And your identity is linked to your destiny. And He'll begin to shape you. And He'll begin to reshape you. And He'll begin to break molds off and break limitations off and bust ceilings off your life. And He'll speak to you things that when it goes into your spirit, you say, this can't be true. No, no, no. This is too good to be true. I could never be that. I could never because it's foreign. You never heard anybody speak to you like that. You never heard such positivity. You've never heard such such encouragement. I can't tell you how many times the word of the Lord came to me and it seemed like he had the wrong person. I can't tell you how many times God would speak to me and say, I'm going to do this with you. and I'm going to send you here and you'll, you'll travel all over the nations. And I would say, God, that's impossible. Look at my name. No one's going to invite me to speak. My name looks like a tropical disease. Jürgen with a J, Jürgen. Last name, Matessia. No one's going to. And I would think, God, you go. But God would always speak. God would always speak. He was undoing all the is your destiny, is your image, is your self-esteem shaped by the words of men, by the opinions of men, by the expert, expert opinions of men, or is it shaped by the Word of God? At some point, every Christian who becomes a hero crosses the threshold and crosses and leaves behind all the expert opinion, all the words of, thank you very much, Mom, thank you, Dad, thank you, Mr. Dixon, thank you, school teachers, thank you, Prince, thank you, all of you people, God bless you, I honor you, and I bless you. Hasta mañana, hasta la vista, hasta luego. But right now I'm moving on. I'm actually going to start building my life according to what God says I am. What I am is what the Word says I am. What I have is what the Word says I have. What I can do is what the Word says I can do. Nothing less. And we're out of time. Oh, man. You're going to love these last four. But anyway...